Welcome to our walk together through the book of Mark, Mark chapter 8 this week. We're in day 4 of our look through this chapter. We're going to be looking at uh, verses 30 to 33 today. And as I said at the end of yesterday, just when the disciples had gotten it right, just when Peter particularly had gotten it right, and he had the right perspective, you are the Christ, all of a sudden he falls back into the wrong perspective. And I can relate to him here. I'll bet you can too. Listen to what happens in verses 30 to 33. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at the disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. Now get this picture. Jesus and his disciples, his followers, are warming themselves by a fire. They're talking about the future. And this conversation is not going as the disciples had hoped. In the back of each of their minds, there had been these growing thoughts of glory. As they've watched the miracles of Jesus, as they've listened to his words, these men have become more and more convinced that he is the leader that their nation has been waiting for. Jesus is headed for national glory, and they're going with him. He is the king that they've been looking for, and they're going to rule with him. But Jesus isn't talking about ruling. He's talking about suffering. He's talking about dying. He's also talking about being raised from the dead, but they totally miss that. And every one of these men felt deeply uncomfortable with what Jesus was saying. It didn't fit their image of what they thought should happen. It just felt wrong. Peter is the one who finally said it. Someone needed to set Jesus straight, and Peter was just the one to do it. So he calls Jesus off to the side, and he says, Never, Lord, all this talk of dying is not going to happen to you. And Jesus looks at Peter's eyes. He looks over, and he sees all the other disciples listening to this. And he says these amazing words, Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God. You have in mind the concerns of men. That's the wrong perspective. Setting your mind on man's interests and not God's interests. Setting your mind on man's concerns and not God's concerns. That's the third wrong perspective in this chapter. We've talked about setting your mind on your resources and not God's. Setting your mind on the material and not the spiritual. And here's the third. Setting your mind on your interests and not on God's. Here's Peter rebuking the Lord. For Jesus to be killed did not fit into his system of thought, his system of life. It didn't fit into his interests. We all have interests that are different than God's. And some of those interests that are different than God's, they can even be good things. Peter probably thought this was a good thing that he was saying. Jesus leading the nation, Jesus becoming the king, that would be a good thing for Israel. But it would be a terrible thing, a tragic thing for all of human history. Jesus didn't come to be a king at that time in one nation. He came to die on the cross so he could be king of kings for all nations. And so Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. It's a powerful statement, and it's deeply challenging to me. Peter's rebuke to Jesus was probably a temptation for Jesus. When Peter says, never, Lord, that could never happen to you, it's the same kind of temptation that Satan brought in the wilderness. Jesus, you don't have to die on a cross. Let me raise you up. Let me make you a king right now. And Peter's following in that same footstep. 
And so he says, get behind me, Satan. The question here, the deeply disturbing question in many ways is, whose voice is Satan using to send a temptation into your life? They might have good motives towards you, but it's a temptation nonetheless. And even more disturbing, the truly frightening thing to me here is, I can be used to do this. If Peter, who was trying to follow the Lord, could be used, the same thing could happen to me. I could be used to bring Satan's evil message into somebody else's life. If it could happen to Peter, it can happen to me. So how do I keep from doing this? How, how do I retreat from this if, if and when it happens? There is an answer. The one word answer is humility. Being humble. Humility. Satan always works through my life, even in other people's lives, when I'm acting pridefully. It doesn't matter if I'm trying to do a good thing or an evil thing. Obviously, an evil thing is always going to be evil. But even trying to do a good thing, if I do it pridefully, it's going to result in evil in the end. With with humility, Satan always fails. With pride, Satan always wins. But there's a great, deep warning to me in this passage. And that is that pride in my life can often arise out of my spiritual successes. Here's what happened to Peter. He just said, thou art the Christ. And he's been deeply affirmed for this moment when he stood up of all the 12 and he's the one who said it. No one else said it. He's the one who said, you are the Christ. And Jesus says, on that faith, on that rock, I'm gonna build my church, the rock of that kind of faith, Peter. Deeply successful moment in Peter's life. Probably the high point of spiritual success in his life. We can still read about it today. But then what happens? Out of that moment of spiritual success, all of a sudden, pride grows. Instead of Peter recognizing that God did it, he starts to own it. Now, if you don't think this can happen to you, well, maybe you're different than me because it's happened to me plenty of times. Out of the pride that grew for the right answer that he'd given, Peter starts to now feel that he has all the answers. I long for my heart to be in the place where God can use me, and the result is greater humility, not selfish pride. But I also struggle like Peter, and I would guess that you might too. With with this great success moment happening in my life, and all of a sudden I start to own it in such a way that pride raises in my life. And when that happens, get behind me, Satan. You see, Peter got to the point where he wanted to help Jesus do the right thing. And Jesus taught Peter that he needed to trust Jesus to do the right thing. You're setting your mind on human concerns and not on God's concerns. Setting your mind, that's your thinking and planning. And if your thinking and planning has gone to a place where you are helping God out, that's pride. But when my thinking, when my planning goes to a place of, I am trusting you, God, now what can I do to help? That's humility. I don't want this get-behind-me-Satan moment to happen in my life. I don't want it to be said to me. I don't want it to be caused by me in somebody else's life. What's the answer? The answer is humility. The answer is setting my mind on the things of God. Let's talk to God, our Father, about that for just a moment. God, I know that on my own effort, on my own energy, just left to myself, I'm going to be prideful. I admit it. Pride is so easy for me to choose. I think it makes me feel better about myself. I think it makes me feel stronger in this world. But God, I also realize that pride is what brings me down every time. That if I'll humble myself under your mighty hand, 
you will lift me up. So God, right now, I pray that as much as I know how, I don't know everything in my mind, I don't know everything in my heart, but as much as I know my mind and heart, I set aside my pride and I pick up humility. And I recognize today that the spiritual successes that may have happened in my life, even today, even this week, that God, you're the one that deserves the glory. Thank you that you used me. Thank you that I got to be a part of it. But I humbly recognize that God, you're the one who did it. And I enjoy the fact that you did it. I enjoy the fact that I got to be a part of it with you. Help my heart to be humble. God, help me to be in a place where you can use me and the result is greater humility in my life. I pray this, Jesus, in your name, amen. Join us tomorrow. We're gonna be talking together the last day of our look through Mark chapter eight about an amazing and challenging teaching concerning how you and I can live this perspective that God puts into our hearts. 